Hi, this is Gina Carruthers with Following Titus 2, Women Teaching Women, and I'm so glad you joined me for today's podcast. It is a touchy subject, and um, I have someone very special here with me today. Not only is she a a counselor and well-trained in this field, but she is also my sister-in-law. She is my husband, David's sister, her his baby sister. She, uh, well, she's even gone down this path with me and our family uh, that we share together throughout the years. So let me introduce her and we're going to dive right in because this topic of family and how we navigate the choppy waters of keeping harmony within our family, his family, your family, their family, you know, now we have blended families um, throughout this Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's holiday. It, it it can be super, super stressful for people. And so with Melody's help today, we're going to try to uh, put some talking points together that might help you. Uh, Melody Alexander has been a dental hygienist for 23 years, and uh, she graduated from the University of Texas Health Science Center uh, in Houston. She also uh, has graduated from the University of Houston and has a Master's of Arts in Behavior Science and Psychology. She uh, has many awards, and uh, some of them are Outstanding Instructor, Outstanding Faculty Award nominee, Jim Sigliano, Outstanding Service to Students at Athens Campus, Promotion to Associate Professor of Psychology, Promotion to Tenure in 2022. Some of our special qualifications and just another few little things that will help you know Melody a little bit more. She she specializes and has special training in mediation and conflict resolution. What a perfect background to help us with this topic today. Melody has also done her coursework and completed that for her PsyD and will be heading into her dissertation for her doctorate. That's an exciting journey for her and a great accomplishment. We're very proud of her in our family. Uh, Melody and her husband, Daryl, were raised in a UPC church and are both spirit-filled, following the same doctrine and uh, theology that my husband and I follow with the United Pentecostal Church International. And Melody is a public speaker and uh, her schedule is very, very tight. And so uh, her engagements are limited, but we have been blessed at Calvary Church to have Melody speak to our congregation and also in a small group setting um, in therapy, um, not necessarily a one-on-one therapist for our church people, but in like groups giving guidance. And she has been such a blessing because she's not only a uh, educated um, therapist, but she is also spirit-filled and spirit-led. And for that, I am very thankful. So I will put her um, email in the content below. So if you're interested in contacting Melody, you can reach out to her or you can email me at g.carruthers, C-A-R-U-T-H-E-R-S at following Titus 2, and that's the number 2.com. So welcome, Melody. We're glad to have you today. Thanks so much. Good to be here. So maybe our best approach today, Melody, would be for you to uh, let me just tell you some things that I've had challenges with. And maybe you can tell me 
well, you probably should have handled this a little bit differently, or this may be a good thing for you to have done. And so, um, I guess, where do we begin with this? It's a, it's a broad, huge topic, but I think one of the biggest things for me throughout the years has been how to keep everyone happy. Mm. I want I think we all do. You know, I don't wake up in the morning and say, let me see who I can make mad in my family today. (laughs) Are you sure? I know, right? (laughs) Some days I might. No, no, no. (laughs) But uh, see, y'all, I told you she knows me like family, right? (laughs) Okay. We we may have to edit some of this. Anyway, um, you know, so I don't, I want harmony. I want that peace within my family. I want my husband to be happy. I want to be happy. I want my children to be happy. I want my in-laws to be happy. I want everybody to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. Is that possible? (laughs) I'm interested in that you said harmony and comparing that with music. Uh, So you don't want unison. You want harmony. True. That's very true. I think if we look at it that way, when we say we want everybody to be happy, I think there's an expectation of unison. But if we truly keep it in the context of harmony, Mm -hmm. then there's a lot more acceptance for various notes to be sung. We just would like for those notes to be complimentary, like we were talking about about music earlier, about uh, you don't want dissonance at the same time. Dissonance is what creates a lot of interest in music. Mm-hmm. Makes it a little less predictable, which again, that could be an argument. Maybe we don't like unpredictable because it creates uncertainty. True, true. But I, okay, so what happens when I feel like I'm in harm, in sync with this harmony that I've chosen for the decisions of what our plans will be for, let's just say Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I feel har- <laughs> I feel yeah. harmony about it, but there's others that aren't feeling very harmony about it. They don't, you know, they're, they're in, I, I may be in uh, the key of F sharp and yeah. they're, they're in a minor, <laughs> you know. Okay, which creates disharmony. Correct. And so, Truly. Yeah. so how do I deal with that? Um, how do I come to peace with it? Mm. It, can I come to peace? I mean, how do I deal with that? Because I know that I'm not doing what they want me to do mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. this holiday. Uh, whether it's when we, for Christmas, when we open presents or whether it's when I'm going to their house right? or if I'm even going to their house, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing just as a side note, not a side note really, but related is to keep in mind too that in the analogy that or the metaphor that we're using, um, music is art, so it's subject to the hearer. There's just some music I don't like. It may be harmonious. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. It doesn't mm-hmm. sit well with me. So in families, we got to give space for everybody to have a different interpretation or appreciate different things that are being brought to the table. And I... I and you and and all of us have very little control over how the other individual interprets. However, in a family, we probably have a pretty good idea at some point what other people's expectations are and what they will or won't like. Mm -hmm. 
Knowing that, sometimes we enter the entire conversation with a lot of, mm, angst might be too strong a word, but expectation of disharmony. And, and we yeah. may be right. We just know that it's not, we're just not going to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And so how do we deal with that? There's no great, um, in my opinion, there are no great words of wisdom that say, just do this and man, it all falls into this awesome feeling. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to prepare for that discomfort. And we've been uncomfortable at times, and I'm quite sure there are things that happen in our lives every day that we don't like and we wouldn't choose and we don't think are the best things. Um, But somehow when we feel like we're the one causing or at the center of all of that, Mm -hmm. uh, of course there's more discomfort. And the reason there's discomfort is because we care. And you you don't, if you don't care, you don't, the disharmonies of no consequence to you. Mm-hmm. But the simple fact that you care for these folks and you care for what happens to them and how they look at that and how this is going to impact everybody else um, is just a really an example of probably love for one another. Mm-hmm. And disharmony simply will not be comfortable. Right. Just kind of like... As you are talking about that, it's almost, it kind of brought to my mind the, some of the same feelings and scenarios that we get when we are dealing with forgiveness. Yes. Because, um, when I extend forgiveness and ask forgiveness of that person, even if they don't forgive, I've done my part. Mm -hmm. And so... It's like uh, my husband always says, and maybe y'all have learned this together or somewhere in your family. I can't control what other people do. There's only one person that I can control, and that is me and my response. And and I don't know about you, but controlling me is a full-time job. (laughs) I I don't even have space in my life for anything else. I know, right? No, controlling me is a full-time job too. So I don't need, you know, but I do, you know, when, but why? I want to control that other person's, I want to predict that other person's response. In other words, if I say, I'm going, we're, you know, we're not, sorry, mom, we're not going to be able to come to your house for Christmas this year. I want, what I want her response to be is, Gina, I understand what day would work best for your schedule as your family to come and have Christmas with me. That's what I would love her response to be. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that's never going to happen. Okay. So you can predict. (laughs) Yeah, I can. So, yeah. So, which is helpful because you have a relationship and because you care, you paid attention and you now can predict the response. So am I to go into that with a prepared uh, yeah. approach? If you can, because you can predict, you can play out the scenario. At some point, there still really is no control over what's going to happen, but there is a preparedness. So, so being prepared for. Yeah, a mental preparation. And right. you might have words that you're prepared to say. But again, how they hit the ear, 
at the time, how they strike yeah. that other person's emotions at the time in the midst of everything else they're dealing with at that point are simply factors that you cannot modify from, mm-hmm. from your side. And grace is only extended from me outward or from me to myself. So it might be after that opportunity, after you've extended that kind of space for grace in that relationship, then you're going to have to turn it inward to say, I'm thankful that I know this person well enough to give it my best effort. And now I need to sit. And you know, sometimes in families, they just need time to, to adjust to what the new plan is. Um, I've never understood why, well, I don't have kids. Maybe that's the thing. I've never understood why Thanksgiving can only be celebrated on that Thursday. I don't know why Thanksgiving couldn't be on Friday well, or Saturday, but that's just me. Not having kids. You know, David and I've talked about that many times because in our life as a pastor uh, and it's just, it's, our schedule is just so all yeah. over the place. And yeah. really, because if somebody needs us, we need to be there and we want to be there for them. Yeah. So when we celebrate something, you know, so I would like to put it off on the fact that because we pastor, but that's not the case because you feel that way as well. So I almost wonder if it's a generational thing because I know, and, and, Today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, or probably mostly ladies, um, we will refer to our families, um, my family as uh, the Johnsons and Melody's family as the Carruthers. And many of you know them that listen to us or, or uh, tune into our podcast. So I want to give a disclaimer here. Please, please know how much we love our families. And um, we are making ourselves vulnerable here to be transparent with you to let you know that we struggle with making our families happy, just like you do. It's nothing, nothing different. As I look at our conversation here, Melody, I know that my mom, and I think, I think your mom is a lot the same way. Mm -hmm. They want to celebrate that occasion, whether it's a birthday, Mm -hmm. Christmas, Thanksgiving, they want to celebrate it on that day. And if you don't celebrate it on that day, well, then we just didn't do it justice. So, it, you know, is it a generational? Do you think that's a generational thing? You know, I, I, I can make a guess at that. And I think a lot of things are generational, era specific, I might say. Right, right. Generation specific. Mm-hmm. But having no children of my own, um, I guess it, you know, that perspective would probably need to come more from you because you do have multiple generations that you deal with. For me, I mean, it's just me and the younger generation are my cats and they don't know <laughs> when they're pretty forgiving and there is no pressure from them. They just want to be sure they are fed. They That's don't it. Care. I mean, they, you know, um, but so I don't have that context to make even anecdotal uh, statements about it uh, other mm-hmm. than it seems like when I talk to yeah. people that there's less flexibility uh, um, in certain generations than other generations. And I will say our work schedules, 
I know your work schedule, oh. my work schedule is very different from the work mm-hmm. schedule of the past. Absolutely. So, like, you know, I, I would be working easily at 10 o'clock at night. I, oh, yeah. I would easily be up early working. I will easily be, oh, you know, I'll have weekend and evening meetings with my students. Um, and so I don't have a set work schedule and I don't have the, I may have that Thursday Thanksgiving off, but in looming over me are all these papers and discussion mm-hmm. boards and all these things that need to be graded. And if I could just get it done on that day, then I'm off. Oh, yeah. Then maybe yeah. on Friday I could go outside. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and David so, and I've talked about that recently about how the work schedule, mm-hmm. even from when I left corporate and it's hard to believe I left yeah. corporate almost 20 years ago. Yeah. I can't even imagine what the corporate world is, how much it's even changed in the yeah. past 20 years. It's in, it's incredible. People work all the time. My mom all and dad got up and they went to work at eight o'clock in the morning. My dad left yeah. at seven. They left at seven so they could get a good parking spot. They yeah. went and they worked eight to five. They came home and then they went to church and church was their life. But yes. it's so different. It's so yeah. different. It's generational. Like you said, it's era different. But let me, let me get back to our topic in asking a very basic question that I think most people, I don't know, maybe some people are very lucky in the fact that they already have the pattern down, that they've already fleshed it out with their spouse and they say, we're going to spend every Thanksgiving uh, with my family, every Christmas with your family, and then, uh, or vice versa, you know, whatever, whatever the scenario is, maybe, they, maybe they've already fleshed out that, that issue. Uh, and well, if I could or, stop you for a second, even though you establish that eventually your kids have their kids. Well, exactly. And then there's and a change again. It's uh, yeah. And, and even looking back at, or and we never, and that was a, a, a really big, I don't want to call it a big problem because it wasn't it's adjustment, like a, a big adjustment for yeah. Sure. In our home is we always wanted to make both of our parents happy, and what that meant is being there for what that Christmas occasion was or when that Thanksgiving yeah. was for his family or my family, and so there was never a set where there and we're at this location. Mm-hmm. So we were always every Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays. It was always whatever. And we just tried to make the best of it. Yeah. Um, but I think, no, I, let me start over and say, I know looking mm-hmm. back at that, my greatest regret is that I have no, well, I say no, I will go back. I will, I will clarify that in a moment. Yeah. I have, I, I say, I have no traditions of my own with yeah. my children. That's right. That's right. Except getting in a car and driving at least three hours. That's it. So, you know, at what point do those changes happen Mm -hmm. where each set of parents have the opportunity to establish some traditions? And, And this actually might end up being what my dissertation is about. And where's that point where there's a release into the next phase and then that next generation establishes their traditions. And then they release graciously at some point and allow their kids to make traditions with their kids. How does that happen? And 
if we get trapped into one, like there's a certain uh, kin keeper, we call them in psychology, who uh, kind of gets everybody together, makes all the plans and establishes all the traditions. As soon as that person is gone, mm-hmm. then no families have traditions of their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably not helpful um, for the connection, for the memories, for the 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 idea of um, you know generational traditions. Um, so it it it. I don't think this is novel to our oh, no. time. Mm-mm. I think this is probably been an ongoing mm-hmm. uh, issue, and probably the more pros prosperous we are in our countries, the more this is an issue because if all I have is oranges and apples to give my kids, you know, and and Mm -hmm. we stay that poor, well, then our tradition's probably very much the same. Nobody really moved away. Everybody stayed in the tribe, so to speak. But Mm -hmm. now we're Mm -hmm. a global culture. We travel far. We work other time zones. we, We do different things. And so... Yeah, the the generational progressions are difficult because um, you don't want the older generation to feel like they're not valuable anymore. At the same time, there is this sort of gracious release to a younger generation that kind of has to happen. And uh, that's something I wrote here in my notes to go back to um, having children of my own that are now adults. Mm-hmm. One of, and I feel like it's, and I wrote here on my, on my tablet, uh, the gift, give the gift of gracious release. Exactly what you said. I have given parents that are listening that you have adult children now, if you, uh, if, you know, give them the greatest gift that you could give them is to give them a gracious release. And I tell my children, I tell Nathan and Lauren, and Ashley and Aaron, number one, you and your children, your wife, your husband, and your children, your family unit, they come first. Mm-hmm. They're first. And um, then when you want to get together as a family with with me and our home, then let me know when that works for you. And we will work within what you ha- would like to do. Um, um, even if it's it, a week before or after, that's right. The important thing is the being together. Being together, yeah. And you know, I'll say something else too. In that sense of gracious release, this applies in ministry and career too. Um, if if we in middle age, and I don't know why, but some textbooks put thirty five at middle age, but I guess the average life expectancy that would be appropriate. But if between 35 and 55, 65, you knew there is coming a day when I will uh, be ready to Mm -hmm. transition to something else, not go home. Well, what am I going to do? Just go home and sit around. Nobody is saying that unless you want, that's what you're wanting to do. Mm -hmm. But to think in advance, like I have more careers in my head I want to do. I'll be 55 in Three weeks. By the way, you left that out of my bio, and I don't because I, <laughs> I read welcome. every one of those years. Uh, I won't. Tell you, you won't feel that way. way when you turn sixty. I'm really struggling I don't with know. that. No, I'm working on it. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can tell intentionally. I'm working on that right now because I want to accept my age. 
I good want to luck. accept my stage. I know. Well, so far, so good. I don't care. Yeah. Tell all I, I did good. Time. I did. I did very well up until this point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, it it it's only to our advantage to progress through life knowing mm-hmm. that age is coming as we speak, as right. we look at it. We are aging. I don't care how many anti-aging products you use. You are still aging. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that reminder today, You're Melody. You are welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> I do reality therapy in case anybody wants to know. Yeah, right. But, but you, you, if I have an opportunity right now, at this point in my life, I have an mm-hmm. opportunity to say, what are the things I would still like to do? And if I my vision does get worse, which it probably will, and if mm-hmm. I develop arthritis in my hands, what is something I could still do? And to think in advance of what I want to do, there will come a point when I won't be able to do what I want to do. That mm-hmm. will happen unless I die before that, which is possible. Right. But it it's only helps the younger generation if I prepare to be older and graciously accept that aging comes and transition comes and that I will not be the major leader of my family forever. I can be a source of wisdom for my family. I can be a confidant. I can be a supporter. I can be the one who will challenge you if you ask me. But my role must change. I, I cannot fight that. My role must change. And it's really hard to hear if we haven't talked about it because for some reason, humanity, we go straight to the all or nothing argument. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I need to establish what is in the middle there. What can I do? And I still want to maybe do private practice. I want to do public speaking. I want to, you know, there's a lot I want to do to still be, Mm -hmm. as we say in psychology, generative to a younger generation. However, I must also be willing to head into the later stages of integrity, looking back and saying, I'm glad I was able to do that. I'm thankful for that season in my life. That season has ended. And I'm in this season now, and here's what I still can do here. And this season will end too. And I hope I can do blah, blah, blah. And do it all gracefully. Because if I don't, look at Congress, okay? Mm -hmm. There are some older people in Congress who, yes, have life experiences, but we aren't raising up a younger generation of leaders because we're holding seats that mm-hmm. we should have been preparing other people to take. And if you keep holding that seat and you die there, who's prepared to take that place? And it's unfair to say, and even to this baby, I mean, I'm sorry, a boomerang generation we have right now, we trash talk them because they come home to live with their parents and they're in their 30s. And they're not there to help their parents. They're there because they just can't seem to get their feet under them. Well, sometimes that's because the parents didn't prepare their kids to be adults. Mm -hmm. And so it's not fair to shame them. It would have been most gracious to say, hey, mm-hmm. you're, you're 19, you're 20. You know what? I'm going to step back a little bit and I'm going to let you pay for that. I believe in you. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And then don't bail them out if it was an irresponsible decision. Right. 
that transitioning role is uh, what you the analogy you gave of Congress was a very good one, but my goodness, it is applicable to everywhere. Every a every, professor, I mean, we can have a professor it, sit exactly. in that. Uh, they can't even relate to the youth right. anymore. Right. And the youth well, and it's, can't relate to them. Yeah. It's the same way in pastoring beyond the years that you mm-hmm. should be pastoring and not moving into that other role mm-hmm. uh, graciously and gracefully. Uh, it's in, in every, if you're a business owner, if yeah. a business, I was talking to one of my close friends the other day and he is transitioning his son into the ownership of this business. And she, we were talking about the training and the, the, excuse me, the transition that is happening. And you know what? That's one of the things that following Titus two ministries is all about. Right. It exactly is. Yes. Is, is teaching and training the younger generation back at some point. Absolutely. The younger generation is simply not going to do Things the way we didn't do things the way our parents did. Right. Our parents didn't do things the way their parents did because the world is different. You don't ever change right. the gospel, you change the approach. Amen. You, Amen, you, sister. You, know, <laughs> you change. I have to talk to my students differently than my professors talk to me. Uh, I refuse to accept the spelling of my students, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can, you cannot send me an email with a bunch of text style spelling. Now, I've sent yeah. an email, but I have replied twice recently to a student saying, I'm sorry, let's try this again. No, I'm not going to answer this email until, because I have to show this student, this is not going to work. Now, I don't know. Teach and train. world it does, you know, I don't know. But mm, at some point, the- how will we read anything? <laughs> right. Anything historical. It's like, what are all these <laughs> dots on this page? And this, what are these two dots right here? And nobody uses punctuation. So, right. I, mean, I, I walked into my one of my husband's favorite things to do. And I don't know if, if uh, maybe yours. I know Ashley, my daughter, which is very much like you, uh, enjoys it as well. They are readers. And yeah. I walked into my husband's office the other day and he enjoys reading poetry. Um, oh, and he was well, reading well, this. His sister is not along those lines. <laughs> he was reading some old, like old book, like from yeah. the 30s. And oh. I mean, it's the spine is falling off of it. Oh, and, yeah. But he enjoys reading because the the grammar, the way they yes. speak, we've just lost so much of yes. that today. But. You know, well, we I have might to share sh- that with him because I love old books. And the reason old books are important is because we need to understand that we are not unique. We live in a different generation. And the suffering and the anxiety and the conflict and the, all that is mm-hmm. present in all of humanity. And old books will help you see that. Yeah, but I'm like him. I write down all these words. I'm like, I have no idea what that word is. Never heard of it <laughs> in my life. I'm going to look that one up. You know? But anyway. <laughs> Oh, he is my dictionary. My, he is my walking dictionary beside me all the time. Oh, good. I'll uh, call him. Okay. No, <laughs> I know both of you are too busy for that. So how do we change how we've done it for years? So, sure. you know, if we've, if we have gone to grandma's house for years and grandma's sure. getting too old to be that yeah. person that coordinates it, um, 
how do we change? How does, I mean, I know it's different for every family. So like you've said, or like you've already established, there's not a pat answer, but can you give us some pointers for how can we establish or how can we change what we're doing so that we can get to that harmony that we're looking for? Well, I will say, in, in my opinion, the adults who want to be, again, generative, contributing to the lives of younger adults, which is the main goal, apparently, of development in middle age. What if we actually did that by saying, you know, it would be nice if you would like to host Thanksgiving this year. I would love to help you. Mm-hmm. And then they get a door to do that. Now, some young people are like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. Um, and you can keep doing it if you want, but you can keep offering that each year to them. So I think the best way is when the adults take the initiative to to hand to them the baton. At Graciously least to make it give. available. Yeah. But how do we adjust purposefully? That, that, that's it. it there, you have to purpose. Mm-hmm. I am going to do this. And if I need, if I see that my children, adult children, don't want to get together or establish these relationships, that all I can do is show them how valuable it is. They may not choose that. So like I said, I have to extend that grace to them or keep having the events at your house because you just want to do it. Right. But at any point, keep offering it to them. But also I think it happens, it needs to happen earlier. So if you're already in your 40s or 50s and you haven't started saying to grandma, I would be so honored if I could host that at my house. Would you right. mind coming to my house? I'd like to just serve you. Uh, some grandmas are not going to give you that. They're mm-hmm. just not. They're going to keep holding on. And in those cases, you're starting to prime them that we are going to start doing this at my house or yeah. at so-and-so's house or, or whatever. Um Usually there's a kin keeper in each family who will call everybody and say, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And um, that's a great opportunity. But I, I will say that the transition is typically not easy unless, again, if we've thought about it in advance and know it's coming. Enjoy mm-hmm. it today because I'm the one in the prom generation. And then later someone else will be um, potentially in that position. Um but it's a lot of grace extension, that's for sure. And I, it's unprepared to be uncomfortable. It probably will be. And prepared to have to make adjustments, you probably will. And then there's going to come potentially holidays where you just have to live with your discomfort. And, yes. and I've, you know, I've had to do that many, many times. I probably should tell people that, I, that I'm struggling with it, but I, I don't. You know, many nights I lay my head on my pillow and I just like, I wish that it wasn't this way, but, um, I don't, I can't control. And I, and I, it is, I have to establish those holidays with my husband. I, he's not been right. my priority for years and now it just has to be. And if he likes staying home, uh, then I should give that to him um, because we don't know what tomorrow brings. And I have to give what I have to give when I can give it. 
And right. if it's not received, then it's not received. But um, I am now at that age where I'm having to draw those boundaries and say, here's here's what I can give and here's when I can give it. And if it doesn't meet the need of another uh, outside of Daryl, then right. um, I have to live with the pain of that. And and that's hard, but it's we have hard, to do but it. It's it's valuable because probably at the end of my life, it's going to be Daryl who's there. Right. Absolutely. He's and, your first priority. You know, that's, yeah, that, my that it, marriage commitment is to him. That's right. I'm that's pointing right. over there like you know which where I'm pointing, which is weird. <laughs> I'm pointing to the basement. Again, I keep my husband <laughs> in the basement. No, <laughs> that's that's that, where shop that, is. It's that okay. was a family secret. That's yeah. a family oh, yeah. secret. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did feed him today. No. <laughs> no, he's in his But shop you know, uh, when, uh, yes, and he is an amazing woods wood craftsman. Is yeah. that what they call them? He is a he's fine an furniture amazing. builder. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. And a very I fine furniture builder. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but when we offer or when that person in my family comes to me and says, I want to host Christmas yeah. at my house or Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, let me talk to the, the mom, the matriarchs out there for a moment. Okay. Yeah. When, when they come and say that mm-hmm. we have to, again, I'm going to go back to the same thing that we said earlier. We have to give that gracious gift of release. Yeah. And what that means is whatever Thanksgiving is going to be at their house yes. is what it's going to be for them. Is right. What they it's right. Exactly. It's That's right. It. it doesn't have to be okay, at my house I love to do China on Thanksgiving. I yeah. love for it to be this, 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 and this. And you know what? If I go to my kids' house mm-hmm. or someone else's, if if I release this to my children then when we get to their house and they're using paper plates, yeah. I don't say, well, if this would have been me hosting this, we would have, we would have not done it on paper plates. I'll tell or, you that. I can't believe you served us on paper plates for such an important right. holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just you have don't to have be to thankful. wash dishes though. Thank God. Yeah. Find yeah. the good in it and keep your mouth shut. Mom. <laughs> that's what you have to do. And I'm not talking to your mom or my mom exactly. <laughs> because they're both very exactly. gracious at that. But yeah. as us, we can be, can, we can very quickly point it out. And you know, let me, let me throw one other thing in here. Sometimes yeah. life gives us opportunities as matriarchs in our family. Yeah. Life gives us opportunities to make these transitions gracefully. And what I mean by that is uh, it's probably been four years ago, I think. I mm-hmm. had pretty major surgery at yeah. the Thanksgiving time. Yeah. And um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so uh, Nathan and Lauren hosted Thanksgiving at their mm-hmm. house. And you know what? It has just kind of become the tradition now for us to go to Nathan and Lauren's for Christmas Eve. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, but if one year Nathan and Lauren say, well, we don't want to do it at our house. We, you know, we're going to be with Lauren's family. You know what? That's fine. That's okay. Because that's their choice and it's their right. family first. So, you know, and there is really, we, we get to choose how we perceive things, which is fabulous. Mm. Right. Now my immediate perception, it will come from inside me based on, you know, past experiences or whatever. But 
after that immediate perception and I recognize it, I get the opportunity to make a different choice if I want to, if it's more helpful to me. So I can immediately say, you know, why are you trying to take this over? This is not good enough. This is not the way I did it. Uh, what, What do you have a problem with the way I've been doing it? Or, you know, I can always feel a little hurt and it may be a little hurtful at the beginning because you enjoy it so much. But I also have the opportunity to say how fabulous that my family wants to carry on a tradition of family getting together. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that, so at that point, it's almost as if you can step back and go, yeah, yeah, that's success. Because Mm -hmm. there's an interest in a younger generation in taking on um, some of that familial um, work. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, I'd love to support you any way I can. What can I do to help you plan? Right. And you know what? They may not invite aunt so-and-so who you always invite. And then you're feeling really uncomfortable. Like, oh my God, what am I going to say to aunt so-and-so? Because mm-hmm. she's going to be expected to be invited. She might. And the host, the new host, may not in- invite. And you can always ask if that aunt can come. Uh, but ultimately, it'll be their home. And That's you can right. invite that aunt over on a different day and y'all can exactly tea and cookies or something. So, Melody, as we get our families together. We've established the fact that it may not be comfortable. It may not be the right day. It may not, you know, and that the harmony has to happen in, um, being gracious and releasing and letting people grow and the next generation do it as they are willing to. But so let me ask you some questions about when we do get together. Mm -hmm. You know, you've always got that one person, it seems like, in the family that wants to talk about abortion issues mm-hmm. or religion issues, or we just had the election and they're going to talk about, you know, the party issues. Sure. So <laughs> I know what I do. Evidently, it has been pointed out to me. This was funny. Oh. <laughs> Evidently, it's been pointed out to me recently what I do when that happens. Oh. Do you know what it is? Do you know? Can you identify it? What I do when those uncomfortable things happen? I think you get busy with something else, huh? No? You are exactly right. <laughs> Somebody and told me. there's nothing wrong with that because it works, right? It gets Somebody told me just recently. They said, you can tell when Gina Carruthers, or they called me Sister It was somebody at church. They said, yeah. you can tell when Sister Carruthers doesn't, is uncomfortable with a conversation mm-hmm. because she just leaves. She just disappears. Yeah. Which and so that's way my way. Than getting involved in something argumentative. So, but I'm in the living room eating yeah. my turkey dinner across from Uncle Jim Bob. That mm-hmm. I hope nobody has an Uncle Jim Bob. He's probably the sweetest thing in the world if they do. But that's uh, not our Uncle Jim Bob since we don't no, have no, 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 safe. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, Uncle Jim Bob is, you know, talking about these uncomfortable topics. Yeah. What do you do? Well, I think, you know, one of the great things, I guess, about family is, in theory, <laughs> we all know each other. Now, when it's a new member to the family, it's it's different. But if mama 
or daddy or whoever is the matriarch or patriarch who invited everybody. Mm -hmm. When they first made that guest list, they probably could predict Uncle Jim Bob, who's been in the family for years, they probably could predict whether he would or wouldn't talk politics or abortion or whatever issue might come up. And ultimately, in the beginning of it all, really lays the responsibility if you're hosting the event to accept. If you send out the invitation, then you have accepted who they are. You're not going to change them. So you can say to him, this is off topic. But if you already know he's probably going to bring it up, then you kind of invited the conflict and the discomfort. (laughs) So I'm laughing because how do you not invite Uncle Jim Bob? He is, he has to come. I didn't invite him because I wanted to invite the old crow. I invited him because. Well, it's your, it's your house. So you do have the right to not invite him, which is terribly uncomfortable because everybody gets upset because why? We just want everybody to get along. Well, that's and yet not you realistic. know, right. That's mm-hmm. not realistic. So when you you have to be realistic in your expectations, and you already know him, why do you think he's going to walk in and all of a sudden this year, this year, it's going to be different? No. Nope. No conversions uh-huh. of Uncle Bob at this point. <laughs> I mean, he has not converted. Right. But if you're going to invite him, then you're going to have to be the one who's mindful that when he opens his mouth, that you step in and say, hey, this uh, topic is, is off limits this year. And if he persists, you have to have strong enough ego strength to say, Go Jim Bob, I'm going to need to talk to you. I need you to stop talking about that or I'm going to need you to go. And he's going to get mad and there's going to be a strong response and his wife's going to get angry and they're going to start rumors about you and the whole family. I don't know what your family's like. But you shouldn't have invited. You're, you're not. Start. You're talking about your family, not mine. Oh, 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 oh. Well, since we don't have enough of Baba, I think we're safe. There you but, go. There you go. But you, yeah. you have to look at your list before you invite them. Mm-hmm. You just have and you to. know what? Mm-hmm. Something that you mentioned a while ago might be mm-hmm. an alternative solution. And mm-hmm. people, we need to think about this beforehand. If you know Uncle Jim Bob and Aunt Sadie are going to it, play the scenario through in your head. And if you know this is going to happen, like Melody said, then maybe you should have an intimate Thanksgiving right. with just Uncle Jim Bob and Aunt Sadie on a Sunday afternoon uh, after Thanksgiving or before right. and and don't invite them. There are other alternatives. We have to give ourselves grace to do it. And and why 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 don't we preserve the mm, the peace of our home? Oh, why absolutely. Why would we not do that? Why would we invite the one person who's going to cause trouble and be okay with every other person having to experience that discomfort? But we can't bear the discomfort of Uncle Jim Bob being upset. And and this, again, goes back to a lot of scripture and various things that we look at in families. It's interesting how many times the troublemaker or the one that causes conflict or the one that brings something really contrary mm-hmm. gets controls and dominates the entire thing. You're in charge. It's your house. 
you're going to have to be strong enough. Hey, this might be a good reason to hand it off to the younger generation. <laughs> I just might not want to have to do all that anymore. But that Let them deal with Uncle, Uncle Jim, Jim Bob. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because you just, how, how I'm going to say this in a strong way. How dare you ask the entire family to shut up and put up with that? That just is so because good, you Melody. can't bear the discomfort of Uncle Jim Bob being not being there. That's, That's great. That's not nice. It's not no, nice. No, it's not. And that is not a family environment. First off, mm. you have to know your, you know, I mean, it could be a new member of the family you don't know. But once you know, yeah, you don't don't say, I'm going to invite you, but you better not do this and you better not do that. I mean, how un, that is unrealistic. Stop it. And it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, stop it. Are, are you like another therapist I know? Stop it. Stop, stop it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Newman. Yep. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. So but I mean, it's very true. Off, know who you're inviting and either accept who they are and know what comes with that. You know, and if they're yeah. a person who eats way more food than everybody else, well, <laughs> that might not be offensive to everybody. And that was, okay, just know that you have right. to make more food for them. Don't go in yeah. and try to monitor their plate. They're going right. to, they, they bring who they are. You invite Exactly. Them. Right. Right. And you know, if, if you go to that family luncheon and you know that maybe it's not a, an uncle a Jim Bob yeah. conflict situation, but maybe it's just a personal uh, hurt situation that you've dealt okay. with through the years with a particular yeah. person. Um, you know, you need to give yourself the gift of not having to stay a long time. Yes. Give yourself Go, an out. You have to give yourself an out. an out. So if it gets uncomfortable, you can say, you know what? We, we've got it. We only have uh, our dog sitter there until nine o'clock. Well, yeah, and if you is. already know the, the person with whom you have the discomfort is going to be there, then plan, right. plan your schedule, your time. Plan your that. out. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, if, if you know that someone is coming who, well, obviously we need to say here, we're not talking about people with addiction or violence or, you know, those, those you should not go to the house. I'm, or I, alcohol. I, that's controversial. Yeah. I understand. Alcohol addiction. But right. even if they are your family, yeah. Right. If they, if you have to be dealing with an addiction while you're there, which often means erratic behavior or a lot of discomfort for everybody, um, you can say to the host, and as uncomfortable as it is, why don't we kind of grow up and try to do this? You can say to the host, I'm, I need to know if so-and-so is going to be there. If they've abused you, in any way, if there's legitimate hurt, you know, not just a mm-hmm. personality conflict that you're like, right. mm, no, we know, you know. Yeah. but mm-hmm. if, if those things are there, you have the right to say, you know, this year we're going to do something at home, but thank you for the invitation. Right. And they exactly. may try to talk you into it and all that kind of, because here's the thing is that, um, f- parents, are notorious for just, again, wanting everybody to get along. So they'll sometimes mm-hmm. ignore the horrible, offensive, bad, evil, whatever, of one child and try to force the good kids to get along with the other child. Mm-hmm. And that's the healthy kids 
aren't going to want to be around unhealthy. They want to stay healthy. And they don't want their children around unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, my brother suffered with uh, alcohol addiction his entire life. And um, And it's sad. Instability. But But I didn't want my children around that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't an option. And, and while we're talking about children and being around family, um, I want to, and I think most parents nowadays are more vigilant in watching over their children. I wish I had the statistics in front of me and I I don't know, this is not necessarily your field of expertise, but, Mm -hmm. uh, what the statistics are of uh, child molestation among people that the child already knows, a family member, oh, in other words. most likely to be amongst a domestic relationship. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's not typically that stranger yeah, that exactly. they don't have a relationship with. It is someone that they already have a relationship with. Uh, and it may not be an old uncle. It may be a teenager that's just exploring yes. sexuality that... You need to watch your children. Uh, We can get caught up in the holiday festivities of filling up our plates, opening our gifts, and visiting with people. And can I tell you about how long it takes for a child's psyche to be, and I certainly don't have the educational knowledge that you do. You're much more uh, equipped to talk about this than me, but how, how quickly their psyche is damaged by someone, a minute's probably, Melody, right? A moment. It, it can be a moment. Because yeah. the moment that the child's awareness says, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't right, then they're questioning and it can go bad from there. And, and you know, another important reason to keep an eye on your children is not only to protect your child, but to protect all the children, because sometimes there are false accusations too. True. But if yeah. you've been connected and you've been checking and that door's been open and all, then you have, can have more confidence in mm-hmm. in the safety of your child, but also being able to say, mm, "No, I was in there a lot. I don't, I don't know that that happened." Um, and we are in a hypersexualized culture. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult for for a person who's in the throes of puberty or with the hormones raging. It right. is very difficult for them in such a hypersexualized environment to not respond in this age of instant gratification. And I mean, porn is at their fingertips. The average age at which a boy first searches porn on his own is 10 years old. Or that's the latest data I've I've read. There might be something new to that. 10 years old. So their thoughts are already, they Mm -hmm. know enough to know what to search at 10. Not because he's a pervert necessarily. (laughs) Not because he's weird. But because he's curious, he's had a lot of exposure. And, and yeah. we, it's not just boys, no. but, Mm-mm. but, but just protecting your child and the other children, um, staying engaged and checking on them. And yeah. Yeah. Not getting caught up in the holidays and forgetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, 
I know, thankfully, nowadays we have cameras. Yeah. Um, if you have children in your home, you have cameras in your home. I mean, I'm a grandparent and there's a camera in my kid's playroom. Uh, it's mostly to monitor the baby when yeah. he's asleep, but you know what? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know why children like to shut the door. It's not because they're doing something bad, Yeah. but something bad sure happens when the door is shut sometimes. And so yeah. my kids know that camera's on and uh even when the door you know i have an open door rule but uh still cameras are good too we have cameras in every open area every room of our church everywhere except the bathrooms obviously and uh the privacy of my husband's personal office and that's it mm-hmm. and even then we have cameras of who goes in that office and right. who comes out of that office there's cameras everywhere and yeah. i think that's just a like you said it's not because you don't trust people it's because you want to protect people. What's your job? It's your job to keep your eye on your right. child. Well, and like you were saying, uh, when we were visiting uh, prior to our visit, uh, prior to our podcast, that there are other things in that elder person's home that y- you may be in that could be harmful to your child, not just yeah, uh, sexuality things. A lot, a lot of medications. Um, you know, <laughs> can I tell you a funny story here? Yeah. When I was a little girl and this, I don't think this was at the holidays time, but um, I was a very hyper child. I know that's really hard for y'all to believe, but um, <laughs> uh, we were jumping on the bed you know, five little monkeys jumping on the bed. And that's probably what we really were. You know, we were jumping on the bed because we didn't have trampolines back in those days. And, um, I remember there was a bottle of baby aspirin. And, uh, so I tried to get the other kids to eat the baby aspirin with me because I was telling them that they were energy pills. Like I needed any more energy. God knows I could use some of those baby aspirins today if that was the case. But I ate a whole bottle of baby aspirins before the adults found out and that I needed uh, more adult supervision. All they heard was kids jumping on the bed. So Mm. they heard, you know, you know, when it goes quiet, you got to watch for it. But they were hearing the noise. Everything was safe until I came in and somebody told on me eating all the baby aspirin. So, you know, you have to watch. Thank God a child told. I know, right? And then they made me eat raw eggs to puke it up. So. That's called aversion therapy. (laughs) Yes, it was happening way back then, uh, 50 years ago. No, more, 55 years ago. And another moral, just a side moral to that story, (laughs) is that families should have trampolines. Because the Carruthers family had a trampoline, and we didn't eat bottles of aspirin. So clearly the evidence shows that trampolines (laughs) keep children from eating baby. I mean, that's it. That's it. (laughs) It's the, it's, uh, obvious that the, the studies are there evidently. Well, the case study at least. (laughs) The case study is there. So I hope today that, I mean, we have talked about a sundry of topics and items that I hope will bring some harmony. I hope we've given you some nuggets along the way that, uh, some of them were very practical and others were, uh, really gold nuggets. There were several things that Melody said. I'm thinking, man, I hope people are taking notes of this because this is an absolute gold nugget for us to implement into our our holidays because I want you to have a great holiday. Melody, as we close out, is there anything else that 
you you'd like to just throw in there for our holiday harmony yeah i uh remember that the harmony that you seek is probably mostly harmony within your own thoughts and emotions Mm -hmm. thoughts and emotions conflict a lot such as life um and I don't know whoever told you that you could have harmonious relationships in everything and with everybody, but it's not going to happen. And um, sometimes we create harmony in a relationship and sometimes we just create harmony within ourselves. Mm-hmm. So do what you can and the rest, you learn to reconcile. You learn to know that you did what you could and the other things are out of your control. And uh, above all, like we've mentioned so many times today, extend some grace outward, extend it inward, and cover it all with prayer. You know, because this is a, a Christian-based podcast, we can say that. Right. That God will make up the difference that we can't make, which is exactly what grace is. Mm-hmm. I can't fix that but God could maybe fill that gap to, to reconcile the dissonance or, or whatever might be there. But, um, but anyway, some, I, yeah, I don't know of any, uh, anything else in this. And sometimes he doesn't feel it in that very moment. That's right. It, it kind of comes with time and not that God can't feel it in that very moment, but I think it's more about us. It's more about us needing the time right. to accept well, it and, Sometimes I think about fasting, you know, uh, fasting is not, and those of you who aren't familiar, you know, we kind of grew up doing a lot of food fasts, Mm -hmm. uh, doing away with food. And I think there were people who believed that the fast was going to change God's mind or change what he did. And (laughs) sometimes we did see that. But a fast seems to me much more about getting myself centered back in. Right. Back to what's important emptying myself out and saying, okay, all right, let's just do a fresh start here. Yeah. And so sometimes those times of discomfort are really good reset moments. But again, purposeful. You have to purposefully use those times to, to, to your advantage, which is what we would teach in positive psychology. Find some meaning and something you can learn that you can use in the future. Thank you for your input today. I really do appreciate it. And for those of you that have been listening, uh, I probably should have said, and maybe we'll go back and and probably should go back and edit the beginning of our podcast to let you know that uh, Melody and her husband, Daryl, were raised in a UPC church and are both spirit-filled, following the same doctrine and uh, theology that my husband and I follow with the United Pentecostal Church International and Melody is a public speaker, and uh, her schedule is very, very tight, and so uh, her engagements are limited, but we have been blessed at Calvary Church to have Melody speak to our congregation, and also in a small group setting, um, in therapy, um, not necessarily a one-on-one therapist for our church people, but in like groups giving guidance. And she has been such a blessing because she's not only a, uh, educated, um, therapist, but she is also spirit filled and spirit led. And for that, I am very thankful. So 
I will put her um, email in the content below. So if you're interested in contacting Melody, you can reach out to her or you can email me at g.caruthers, C-A-R-U-T-H-E-R-S at following Titus 2, and that's the number 2.com. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. We have covered, my goodness, we've covered the world's problems all right within the family. It's all all done. done. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. And I hope hope you can go listen to some. Hey, have you started listening to Christmas music yet, Melody? Of course. Me too. wrong with my students keep saying no it's not christmas and i said it is here it is so here it may not be in your world but in my world but it's in my christmas music is on <laughs> it's on so i hope you all have a blessed day so god bless you and we hope you join us next time for the following titus 2 podcast Thank you for joining us for this devotion and podcast today. If you enjoyed it, we encourage you to please like it and share it with a friend. Visit us at Following Titus 2 for the latest Bible studies, resources, and devotions, and recipes. Don't forget that. Have a great day. God bless you.